Hey, good evening. Uh, good evening. This is Sister Mary Elizabeth. It is approximately 1.33 a.m. on June the 18th, 2020, coming to you from the city of Marietta, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, which is a hot spot, so to speak, these days with the recent events of a shooting of Ray Sean Rayshard Brooks here in Atlanta, us being able to watch the video online of his uh, detainment, uh, attempted arrest, and his subsequent murder right here in a Wendy's parking lot in the streets of Atlanta. The um also in the news coming out of Georgia we had the story of Ahmad Aubrey, a black man who was chased down and murdered in the streets of Georgia by some so-called citizen police. So it's been pretty hot here um, in the city of Atlanta, not just in Atlanta, but all over the country as people have taken to the streets to protest the uh, oppression, the violence, the brutality against people of color by law enforcement not just here in the United States, but actually people have taken up the call all over the world, um, sparked by yet another death of a gentleman um, that was uh, Floyd. Um, Mr. Floyd was killed uh, by a police officer, and we watched that officer kneel down on his neck for an extended period of time, cutting the the life uh, breath out of his body. So there's just been an accumulation of things uh, that actually have been going on, not just in recent months and years, but literally uh, hundreds of years. Uh, the African, Not just the African-American community, but the black community which means any person of color anywhere in the world has seen the face of oppression. So some interesting things that happened today, uh, the UN in the United States, be, uh, no, I'm sorry, not in the United States, the United Nations um, had uh, a summit, if you want to call it, Today, um, talking about and discussing the brutality against African Americans here in the United States of America. Uh, countries from all over the world were speaking out about what they were seeing, um, what was coming out over the the airwaves and their concerns for the human rights 
situation here in the United States of America. Uh, we're just going to read some of the headlines. Uh, UN Human Rights Council to turn attention on systematic racism in the United States. UN Human Rights Chief calls for reparations to make amends for slavery. George Floyd's brother to address UNHRC debate on U.S. systematic racism. Now that headline came from the Times of India. I have not seen that headline here in the United States. I don't think that is something that they want to advertise here in America that George Floyd's brother is making it all the way over to the UN to speak before the UN uh, High Council as they uh, investigate racism and police and civil liberties and violations against people of African descent in the United States of America. That in and of itself is amazing. That just goes to show you that you never know who is going to come to your age. You never know. You know, they're looking down on people when they do these individual right uh, acts as if they are nothing, as if they are nobody, as if nobody will miss them, and that the people who may love that person are powerless. But look at what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. And, you know, this idea of taking it to the UN, taking it to the world, is not a new concept. This is a concept that our brother Malcolm X actually advised the black community, what he suggested that we should do, which was instead of continuing to try to take our case to the um the courts here in the U.S. that are already biased about us, the, the courts that we've never been able to get justice with, he said we need to take them to the, to, the, to the world stage, to the court of the world, to bring up charges against the United States. And here we go. This is the U.N. Human Rights Council has 47 members, and they are due to vote on a resolution following the urgent debate, which was set to begin Wednesday and to conclude Thursday. And we were able to get a little bit of it um, on today. And the funny thing is, while the um, different countries were speaking and giving their uh, opinions on the matter, of course, the live stream went out and the sound went out. And I was, you know, thinking that was, you know, what a, a coincidence that this would happen as this information was going out over the airwaves. I'm trying to see if I can find a little bit of it and play it for you. I actually don't see my watch parties here. Looks as if the actual watch parties. I've had two watch parties here. So anyway, um, I'm not sure why my watch parties are missing. 
off of Facebook, but we will carry on. It is late. I'm heading to bed, but I felt like reading a little bit tonight. So we're going to pick back up on open season. We've been reading excerpts from the legalized genocide of colored people. This book is written by Ben Crump. He is the attorney for Ahmed Aubrey and also for the Floyd family. And we left off talking about bias. Page 46. Implicit bias have been found to be associated with language and certain behaviors such as eye contact, blinking rates, and smiles. Studies have found, for example, that school teachers clearly telegraph prejudices, so much so that some researchers believe black and white children effectively receive educations despite being received different educations despite being in the same classroom. An experiment showed that white interviewers sat further away from black applicants than from white applicants, made more speech errors, and ended the interview 25% sooner. Discrimination such as this has been shown to negatively impact the performance of those treated in that manner, black or white. On the website, Test Yourself for Hidden Bias, it states, Experiments are being conducted to determine whether a strong hidden bias in someone else results in more discriminatory behavior. But we can learn something from even the first study, those who showed greater levels of implicit prejudice toward or stereotypes of black or gay people were more unfriendly toward them. We know that to be true. We can tell, we can feel it when we come across people who are biased or prejudiced. They don't even have to say anything. We can tell by the way they look and the way that they act. And being an educator and being in a school setting, it is very true that children can receive a different education in the same classroom. I've had the opportunity to sit in and observe many uh, classrooms over the last five years. And I've been able to observe the student and teacher relationships. And I've always been particularly um, inclined to observe uh, our African-American students, boys and girls, and how receptive they were to learning based on the relationship they had with the particular educator that was doing the teaching and how they felt they were being taught. The shooting death of Akai Gurley stands as a tragic example of hidden bias. 28-year-old Gurley was visiting his girlfriend in the Lewis Pink housing projects in Brooklyn, considered to be among the worst housing projects in New York City. Rookie officer Peter Lyne was assigned to conduct routine birth patrols of the housing development. According to Lyne, as he approached Gurley on the stairwell, 
he pulled out his flashlight with his right hand and unholstered his 9mm block with his left hand. As he shoved open the stairwell door, he saw Gurley. His first instinct was to shoot, and he hit Gurley in the chest. Gurley was unarmed and legally occupying the space. Nothing other than fear and implicit bias that black men are fundamentally dangerous cost Gurley his life. In February 2015, Liang was indicted by a grand jury for the shooting death of Akai Gurley. He was charged with second-degree manslaughter, criminally negligent homicide, second-degree assault, reckless endangerment, and three counts of official misconduct. Liang turned himself in, and he was released later that day without having to post bond. Brooklyn Supreme Court Justice Danny Chun believed Lane would be more of an asset to his community if he performed community service rather than spending time in prison. Liang was given five years of probation and 800 hours of community service. It's not the absence of hard jail time that's the issue, but that the punishment always tends to be lenient in cases where a cop has murdered a black man and much more stringent in cases where a black person has killed a white person. This is a classic example of how even when the court serves justice, there is still a loophole that protects the police who are acting as the foot soldiers of the criminal justice system. And you will hear on social media these days, they call them the race soldiers. The race soldiers. In 2002, Jeannie McMeans Jr., a 23-year-old African-American and a friend of Saul Ernesto, were traveling home to Alabama after visiting South Florida. They were driving on, in, on interstate in broad daylight less than one week after McMeans had graduated from the University of South Alabama. McMeans and Ernesto began arguing, which caused Ernesto to drive erratically. Florida Highway Patrol Trooper Gershwan Walker Bergen pulled them over. The young men continued to argue. She tried to intervene. McMeans opened his car door. The trooper drew her weapon and told him to freeze. McMeans yelled, this is effed up. You're going to take his side of the story because you think he's white. A few moments later, McMeans returned to the car, disobeying in order to freeze. The trooper shot him in the shoulder. As he sprawled on the ground, she fired into him three more times, killing him. An investigation by the Florida Highway Patrol concluded that Trooper Walker Vergans violated departmental policies and also Florida Statute 766.01, which explicitly states that deadly force should only be used to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm or to prevent the imminent commission of a forcible felony. But a grand jury cleared her of any wrongdoing from the tragic killing of this new college graduate with no criminal history, largely because the officer claimed she was in fear for her life. According to the U.S. Supreme Court, fear can exonerate cops, no matter how egregious or unreasonable their use of force. It is obvious to colored people, but not to whites, 
that there is an imbalance in the justice system. Even ultra-conservative former U.S. House Speaker Newt Gingrich has acknowledged the point, though in a manner more instructive than he might have intended. In July 2016, after two black Americans were shot and killed by police, one in Louisiana, one in Minnesota, Rick Gingrich said during a CNN Facebook live stream conversation that it is more dangerous to be black in America than white. It took me a long time and a number of people talking to me through the years to get a sense of this, Gingrich said. If you are a normal white American, the truth is you don't understand being black in America and you instinctively underestimate the level of discrimination and the level of additional risk. This next case I also represented, and it's sad, even though the officer did get convicted, but she only got sentenced to a year and a half. In July 2012, LAPD officers responded to allegations that Alicia Thomas abandoned her minor children by leaving them at a police station. On that, on the day she was killed, Thomas had taken her young children to the police department, stating that she could no longer care for them due to her addiction. After being questioned later at her apartment, she was arrested on suspicion of child endangerment, but officers claimed Thomas actively resisted the arrest. While in police custody, Thomas was repeatedly struck in the throat and kicked in the groin while handcuffed in the back of a police car. Footage caught by the squad car camera shows Officer Mary O'Callaghan telling Thomas to knock it off as Thomas was rolling around in the back seat. The footage, which has never been released in its entirety due to the fear that it would spark unrest, shows O'Callaghan as she jabs at the woman's throat with her fist, with her hand. Thomas looks into the camera with wide eyes. The recording captured Thomas who also had her legs tied with a nylon hobble restraint, repeatedly saying, I can't, the Los Angeles Times reported. The Times continued. The video showed O'Callaghan raised her booted foot and struck Thomas, whose whole body shook in response. A few minutes later, Thomas's eyes closed and her head fell backwards. According to the police report, O'Callaghan tells Thomas that if you don't stop resisting, I'm going to cunt punch you. This is followed by O'Callaghan kicking her in the genitals. Thomas's last moments were captured on the squad car camera. O'Callaghan lights a cigarette, looks at Thomas's limp body and says, That ain't a good sign. The Los Angeles County Medical Examiner reported that cocaine intoxication was a major factor in Thomas's death. Officer O'Callaghan was ultimately charged with assault under the color of authority. After being found guilty, she was sentenced to 36 months in jail with the last 20 months suspended. Alicia Thomas is yet another story of someone with mental illness and depression who was trying to do the right thing. She dropped her children off at the police station as she felt unable to take care of them. The police came to her house to arrest her for child abandonment, but she's thinking she did the right thing because of the safe harbor laws that are provisions in a law or regulation that protects 
from liability or penalty in certain situations. She had thought she was doing the right thing. She had even given her 12-year-old son her mother's house address so the police could have taken them there. She just knew she was having a crisis and couldn't deal with it and was trying to do the right thing. They drag her out of her house and then they drag her downstairs and they restrain her. She says, I can't breathe more times than Eric Garner. The reason this case is not known is because the system is so rigged. The authorities would not let us release that video in its entirety. They told me that this isn't Sanford, Florida. They said that people would get hurt. People would die if that video was released in Los Angeles. They told me that I needed to be responsible. That literally is what they told me. My response to them was to make their police officers more responsible. And then we would not have in existence videos of this nature. Wow. Ben Crump, the legalized genocide of colored people, open season.